1: The AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. That's
0: Friday afternoon here at AusBiz. Welcome to the COB. I'm Gemma Acton joined by Scuddy. Well, what a dramatic finish to the week and the month that was. Uh, Pretty boring month meandering along, very little movement in the market until today.
1: Yeah, leave the uh, leave the excitement to last uh, <laughs> and a nasty little session to go and end off the month. But uh, lo and behold, uh, we still managed to go and close marginally higher, um, racking up the fourth consecutive monthly gain in a row.
0: Yeah, and uh, looking at who took quite a big hit today, for a while it looked as though the buy now, pay later darlings were actually going to buck the trend after pay, managed to stay afloat for most of the day, but then finished down. But certainly there were many other companies and sectors in a much worse position.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it was really interesting You're going to go and see how broad based the selling was. It almost felt like it was in a, uh, a Team Australia sell off, uh, but counter that, the Australian dollar was strong. So um, it's a really difficult one to go and sort of put your finger on. It is the last day of the month, of course, where there's anything to do with flows. Who knows, but certainly uh, sort of came out of nowhere, particularly in light of we saw those big uh, tech uh, tech giants in the US report massive beats uh, after market closed over there. I thought to myself, maybe it's going to actually set up the other uh, time for a relatively positive session. Uh, I was very, very wrong.
0: Yeah, with regards to those beats, yes, it was clearly a vindication of the business model, which everybody said would be resistant to situations like COVID, if not underpinned by a situation like COVID. But, you know, forecasts do play a role as well. They were reasonably conservative, given the propitious circumstances these companies found themselves in.
1: Yes, well, I've written about that earlier in the week and uh, it won't change for eons of time, trust me. So yes, uh, there wasn't many places for people to go and spend their money uh, during the lockdowns, of course. So that naturally helps places uh, and, and, and companies that benefit from people who can't actually go and leave the house. So it's not surprising to go and see the, uh, no, the strength in those particular results. Uh, the analysts know, as we see most occasions, are always kind of cautious. You see uh, forecasts start really lofty and ambitious and they gradually pare them back over the time. And then lo and behold, they beat. So interesting <laughs> to go and see uh, how the uh, U.S. fares tonight. But uh, given what we saw not only here today in Asia, because we saw Tokyo shares, you know, the topic in Tokyo got absolutely smoked. Uh, on virus concerns there it looked like, but Europe also overnight was really hammered as well. US was the odd one out, so wonder whether that will go and transfer across to, uh, to them today.
0: I'll point out, despite some pretty ugly numbers coming in on the economic side. Uh, we've talked a lot about the uh, economic growth rate, which uh, was obviously horrifying, uh, but also unemployment. That's really uncomfortable to see that for the second week in a row, initial claims rising and now looking at around 17 million people having to collect those benefits.
1: Yeah. And that's not even including people who are in the gig economy. So you add them on, it's basically over 30 million. And um yeah, markets have been able to go and look at this for quite a while, and that's why I'm interested to see how it behaves tonight, uh, you know, the stock market in particular, because uh, things are pretty grim in the United States. Um, it's, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Uh, You're getting second-round layoffs. We've got uh, initial claims each week running at double the amount seen at the worst level of the GSE, and it's being sustained. Um, so hardly the kind of backdrop that uh, you know, is, is fitting with a V-shaped recovery or even a U-shaped recovery. Then you overlay on top of that what's been going on with the virus. Uh, yes, I know some of those Sunbelt states have uh, managed to go and uh, slow the spread, but it's still massive. And then you've seen other parts of the country where it's starting to go and re- resurface again. And then politics. <laughs> uh, look, nothing's changed from that side for me. They'll get a deal done, but at what point will the deal get done? So these enhanced unemployment benefits, they'll expire at the end of today. Uh, and then you're going to have a cash flow problem for a whole bunch of uh, Americans who have been used to receiving $600 extra per week. Uh, you put all that together, it's a pretty nasty backdrop. And I know that central banks have got uh, I know investors' backs and they've done a very good job in helping to reflate asset prices. But uh, the fundamental side of the equation is deteriorating definitely for the time being.
0: And while equity investors have managed to look through that for quite a while, bond investors haven't been quite so sanguine, seen a a bit of a diversion in terms of the way they're uh, implying the world is looking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You look at uh, the U.S. curve overnight, uh, I think the tenors for five years and 30 years both closed at record lows. Uh, Before we came into the podcast, I was checking it out. The uh, U.S. 10-year yield was uh, was oscillating around about 0.52%. That's basically at a record low. Uh, no closing low. It finishes the session there. So uh, that's really given a gloomy indication of what's going on in the uh, out there at the moment from a bond market perspective. And I just wonder whether if you strip out these tech earnings and the tech companies that have done so well in driving the S and P higher, given their weighting, um, the investors are really probably feels to me like maybe they're starting to sour about what's going on. Whether that's enough to go and actually see a sustained sell-off, well, that's another question. We might find out, I uh, know, next month.
0: And uh, we can't possibly close this week off without briefly mentioning the roller coaster uh, one way up that uh, gold has been on. It's uh, made remarkable headway this week. We thought it had done very well last week, but it had no trouble piercing through record highs earlier in the week.
1: Yeah, we're well, speaking to uh, Daniel Hines from ANZ earlier today, and he was looking for, I uh, know. A price of two thousand three hundred within a twelve-month uh, time horizon, which so, we will not forget, yeah, I've so, that down. <laughs> so, so we're uh, we're both at the uh, the bid there. So um, <laughs> no, joking of course. But um, it, look, it's uh, it's all working in the favour of gold at the moment. You've got uh, money printing not only from the Fed but uh, from other major central banks at this stage. The US dollar is uh, you know is, is broken down technically. So a key level uh, is broken through now. That's open, you know. Quite some extreme downside if you're a technician and you actually believe it. Um, and then you throw into the equation what's been going on with real yields. We mentioned nominal yields, but with all this inflationary money printing going on, inflation expectations are starting to go and perk up a little bit. So real yields basically fell to uh, record lows again overnight. I think it's about minus 1%. When you throw that for an asset which doesn't have any uh, yield, it's of course you know, gold is It's there earns zero. Um, it actually has a positive yield in that aspect. So not surprising to see gold flying at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing I caution is that uh, there's so many glowing references out there. Everyone seems so bullish. Maybe that's caution enough, for, you know, at least in the short term.
0: Well, we are spoiled for choice at the moment with stocks of the day, given that we are in the midst of reporting season and uh, got quite a few weeks of that ahead of us. Let's talk about one of the companies which did report it actually Reported a miss on EPS coming in nearly 5% lower than estimated at just 99 cents a share. That's Simic Group. Uh, let's have a listen to what June Beilu from Tribeca Investment Partners thinks about the stock. The cash flow has been very poor uh, for quite a few results now, so not just this one. And the company has been trying very hard to um, even doing factoring of some of the receivable to receive cash. So um, clearly, for a contractor uh, a construction business, that when cash flow is not strong enough, it's tend to um, does signal that um, what's your real underlying earning out of those projects. So um, so for CIMIC cash is going to be very important. So they do need to sell assets um, to keep that business ongoing. In general, construction businesses are very challenging in this environment. Just the disruptions um, and uh, the collection of the revenue as well, um, and then the timing of the project. So absolutely steer away, but CIMIC in particular is a company that has had cash flow problems for quite some time. So it's probably the worst of that bunch
1: at Ah, this point. In an environment where a lot of people watching this today, I'm sure are clamoring for dividends. This is another one that you can cross off your list. And they're in an interesting little place, um, I was about to say Leighton's, Simic and in, in, in an interesting place because they're doing a share buyback at the moment. As we spoke about previously, Koshi Honchief owns uh, well over 70% of them. If they get over into that so 75 to 80% mark, they actually fall out of the ASX S&P 200. And mm-hmm. what you will then find will occur is a lot of these index funds will actually be forced to sell it. So at a time where buybacks are normally supportive for the share price, in this particular instance, a buyback could actually be the complete opposite. And
0: that was Andrew Whelan from DP Wealth Advisory talking about SIMIC. Neither of our analysts big fans of the stock, which uh, did disappoint investors this week. So a very busy week we've just had. Um, new month next year and the reporting season picks up in earnest. What have you got your eye on next week, David?
1: Oh, geez, there's so many things out there. Uh, look, internationally, you, know, you can't go past what's going on with the COVID cases, particularly where we're seeing uh, no renewed uh, outbreaks in parts of Europe, uh, also in China as well today. There's some pretty bad news. That's obviously an overriding theme. Uh, apart from that, we get a lot of data Given my concerns about the US economy in particular, I know we get some PMI data, the ISM manufacturing survey comes out on Monday. We'll also get the services edition on Wednesday. I think they're gonna be quite important when it comes to the sentiment towards the US economy. Um, And then of course, politics in the United States. (laughs) Will Will they come up with a deal? Well, they will at some point. Will it be next week? Well, no one knows. But uh, it doesn't look like they're going to get one done to go and avert anything right now. Uh, this end of this temporary thing. So there's so many things to go and look at, and then you overlay that with uh, with earnings, uh, could be quite a bit of a volatile period. So, a- keep, and
0: especially anything interesting out of the Reserve Bank next week?
1: Absolutely not. That's going to be one, <laughs> that's going to be one thing where I think there's not going to be a whole lot. But look, they should sound a little bit more cautious about I uh, you know both the global outlook and the domestic, but. The RBA has been noticeably absent in this. I don't think they should have been, but I can't see it changing any time soon. But surely uh, the things that we'll be looking out for in the statement is clues as to what they'll be forecasting in their updated uh, forecast, which will come out on Friday with the uh, FOMC, the Statement on Monetary Policy. Uh, So that will be the only thing that will be really noticeable. And that will set the tone for what to expect for those forecasts.
0: Well, uh, time for us to all get a rest then ahead of what is going to be an extraordinarily busy week next week and hopefully not a busy weekend with regards to COVID reports. Uh, hoping to see some good news there, but as you say, the odds are certainly against us.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I uh, know there's always uh, no justification for good news and everything else, and life is not all uh, no, terrible, but uh, let's hope that uh, we get some better news in that front. And uh, In the meantime, we'll stick together, look after each other, and uh, no, we'll be all right. In the meantime, we'll, uh, we'll hear from you all again next week.
0: Have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget to check out our podcast uh, or our website or app if you have any downtime this weekend. A lot of great interviews are done during the week. They're all
1: there for your viewing pleasure.